Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio a live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Thursday show. You know that's the date day edition. Hi, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And you are listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions and life questions. And on Thursdays, ladies, this is a day that Paul is here to minister to you and for you. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. And you can also use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app and send in your questions that way. Remember, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. It's a hands-free one button, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. So we'd love to have your questions and calls. Uh, As most of you know, I had a question yesterday about the National Day of Prayer. Well, today is a National Day of Prayer. So here's my prayer. I'm praying that all those people who are on that platform that knew nothing about Jesus Christ and cared nothing about God would get saved. That's my national prayer. Amen. 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 Okay, now it's your show. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> great lead-off, Pastor yeah. Ron. I just, it's just so frustrating to me, you know, when, when because of an event, people will go, and Christians will go and think they're doing something spiritual, and they're standing there uh, ostensibly praying with a bunch of people who have no connection to our Jesus. We know Jesus is the only mediator between man and God. And that means necessarily that all of the other people that are there praying are wasting their time. And we Christians are sitting there clapping for them instead of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Okay, it's your show. Didn't I tell you that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, welcome, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) I hope we didn't down you, bring you down too quickly. (laughs) You know, because everybody thinks, and, and I was kind of teasing this morning, you know, if my people... Who are called by my name 
would humble themselves. Yeah, but it's his people, not all people. His people. And he's not talking about Americans there either. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, anyway, so I just came back from a, a conference. It was amazing. The the best, the best, well, no, I shouldn't say the best part. The first fun part was, of course, the people I went with. Um, you know, I got Lachelle. She drove us. And, and Lachelle's crazy. Yeah, I love her. And then Jocelyn, who, you know, went with us. And then Grace. And then me, so the four of us. And a five-hour trip. Well, it should have taken us four and a half. Um, it only took us a little over five. But, you know, with four girls. Better than eight girls. <laughs> four girls, you have to stop every once in a while, you know, because we have to get our Starbucks. In fact, we were supposed to leave town at 9 o'clock. Okay? So right outside the church, there's a gas station. So we get some gas. And then right across the street from that is a Starbucks. We didn't leave from here till 9.31. I could have stayed home. And they could have picked me up at 9.31. half hour of sleep. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, but we got on the road. We got there uh, in plenty of time. But yeah, it was only about five hours. And that's like world record time. Because when we did our stops, mm-hmm. we didn't lollygag. Yeah. We just got our stuff and, and got on. But of course, we had this appointment set. <laughs> we were not going to miss that. We couldn't check into the hotel until 3. So, you know, we go to the Walmart when we get over there. That's a tradition because I could have gone to the H-E-B and got all of our stuff, had it ready. But it's a tradition, Mama, that we have to go to the Walmart <laughs> just for a little. It's always an hour at least in the Walmart. So we get to Walmart, but then we had this massage appointment. I said, I don't care what you all do. Do not make me late for this appointment. So we we did it. It was fun. You know, Paula, one of the things that we've always felt called to do is uh, be available to minister to small churches. Yep. And uh, Tyler's a church of maybe a couple hundred people. and um, um, you If know, that. If that. And, 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 you know, we've known the pastor. I've been, I've sat on his board for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And they're just great people. But um, uh, it, it's, it's always uh, so encouraging to go to these small churches and um, you can see sort of light bulbs go on over their heads when you hit them. You know, they, there's a whole different set of dynamics in a small church. Mm-hmm. Um, not not better or worse, just different. And, um, um, you know, we both in those settings have the gift of encouragement. You know, yeah. That's your main gift and you use it all the time. Uh, but um, what we want to do is encourage people to keep doing what they're called to do and watching for the hand of God to move. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I enjoy it. What, what was your impression um, of, of this particular trip in, to, to Tyler? Once we got there, yeah. In fact, I went home and I was thinking about, what are we going to talk about for sure? And I wanted to be a little bit more organized in my mind about uh, what I was going to talk about. And yes, I do have the gift of encouragement. Plus, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and what everybody needs to see... Or, even if they are not aware of it, is um, you can make it through. You know, we've been, uh, you've been the pastor here 24, are we in the 25th year now? Or we will be. We'll be 25 years old on May 31st. May 31st, that's right, this is the month. Um, But to go to these small and or young churches, because sometimes uh, the church may not be all that small, but they're still young and they haven't gone through things yet. 
And so to hear that everybody is going to be tested and go through things, um, you can tell, because I've been to, you know, with your vision, I think you're, you're here at this for the most part. And then the Lord seems to send me out to the smaller churches to talk to them. You know, where there's, um, for the whole retreat, say, there's 25 ladies or 30 ladies, um, 50 ladies. And for this conference, I don't know if they, they did not hit 100. I know that for sure. Um, but they need to know that they're going to go through different things. And sometimes um, when I've gone, and praise the Lord, Jocelyn's usually with me or Lachelle. Somebody usually goes with me because you don't really want me to travel alone, and I appreciate that. Um, but you can feel the pain um, when you walk in sometimes, and I, I can understand sometimes why the Lord would send, not just me, but whoever goes with me, because the people there need to know that, one, the ones who are with me are really my family. In fact, um, several ladies asked me, one point blank, are these your real daughters? Are these, these are your daughters? And, well, yeah, sort of, kind of, no, yeah. You know, they're not my <laughs> biological. And then, of course, they, uh, Jocelyn, I am the no labor pain baby. Mm-hmm. And, and Lachelle, I'm the easy, I'm the easy labor. And then Grace says, well, this is my first time. <laughs> <laughs> but they need to know that we are really family and that it's fun being a Christian. Yes, yeah, serious, um, of course, but... It's fun to be a Christian, and it's it's okay to have issues, yes, but it's not okay to have the issues be our focus. Yeah. You know, Paul, we were talking today, and, and uh, one of the ladies who was there, um, her husband is a pastor, and he, he came and visited. He wanted to spend three days with us just to kind of get the pulse on what's going on here. And he said, he's always been told by other pastors that they can't really be friends with the people in the church, not mm-hmm. to not to get too involved in them because it just makes it all the more difficult to minister to them. And, and our reaction back then was, who told you that? Yeah, who told you that? And, and what kind of ministry model or style is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, be, because when we say this is a family, now, we never ask anybody to start calling you mama. Everybody calls you mama. I don't know when that happened. Yeah, and we got people almost our age calling you mama. Older than that. Yeah, and, um, um, you know, we never started out to do that. That's just the way it happened. And it's because um, we give ourselves to the people. We th- This is where our family is. We all have, and, and, and it's true of everybody in this audience, we all have um, blood relatives, uh, who we just don't have much in common with. And while we would like to be closer in Christ, they don't want our Jesus. And so there's a natural separation there. And so when we come into the family of God, it's it's got to be um, um, a completely different dynamic. You know, I think about the first century church when uh, it was entirely Jewish, and, and when Jews would convert to Christianity it would be an, an overwhelming crisis in their homes. They would be kicked out of their families. Mm-hmm. Actually, Jewish uh, um, fathers and mothers would hold uh, funerals for their sons and daughters who left the faith and became Christians. 
and it was like it just shake the dust off my feet kind of thing. You're on your own now. You're dead to me. Mm-hmm. And um, in the first century church, that's why it grew so quickly, because there had to be a family dynamic there. Uh, and imagine the older ladies, and there were ladies who were our age, mm-hmm. um, who would put their arms around these young women uh, who were just crestfallen because their families had completely rejected them. They'd done what they thought was the most important thing of their lives. I found Jesus. I know he's the Christ, the mm-hmm. Messiah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and these ladies would, would uh, be dejected or rejected by their family. And uh, the result would be they're without anybody. And, and the older women would put their arms around them and say, I got you. It's okay. And and people have new brothers and new sisters. So, so the family dynamic has always been the way it's supposed to be. We're the ones who've perverted that in the 20th and 21st century. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the ones who have decided that, well, you know, we don't need it. We can make church sort of a commuter thing and, and uh, we'll go to church and leave church and then we're, we're sort of on our own. That's never the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. The, the head pastor comes in the back door, goes to the pulpit, says what he has to say, comes back to his office, goes out the back door, never having related to the people at all. Or, or even worse, he's just a face on a screen. Ooh, yeah. In our church culture, so we, nobody ever gets to hug him, nobody ever gets to cry mm-hmm. and share their heart with him. And that's just not what pastoral ministry is supposed to be. Yeah, so, so one of the things that we've done here is we've exposed ourselves and it's been the greatest thing we've ever done because mm-hmm. God's really blessed. Because yeah, he says, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. If you don't get involved with them, you never know what that is. Unless it's by a phone call or a text and you're like, well, who is that? <laughs> you know, as our <laughs> church has grown, sometimes it gets a little bit um, frustrating um, to see faces um, but, but people who aren't really engaged and you don't really get a chance to know them. You know, as as our church was growing all those years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, we pretty much knew everybody and everything. Yeah. And um, it's it gets a little bit difficult when you no longer are engaged that way. And I think it's a good, healthy model of ministry that that we're supposed to continue. We we've we've had a, a church culture that sort of elevates the senior pastor role into a a celebrity, a, a guy, oh, this is the, the man of God. Mm-hmm. He's the anointed one. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, mm-hmm. he's my pastor. And yet you never have any connection with him. That's just not the way God wants it to be. At all. Yeah. And please, for anybody who comes here listening, do not call me First Lady. <laughs> or Pastor Paula. Or Pastor Paula, because I am neither. Please. That really offends me. Um, <laughs> but... Um, you know, but they need to know to remain faithful. Don't quit. God, it's a test. All the tests. I was sharing with one of the one of the pastor's wives that um, many years ago that we had the women's Bible study, and for a while, you know, twelve, twenty, twenty-five ladies would come, and then in a season, it would just be three or four people. And you know, the enemy wants to tell you. You know, that's not very many people. You should just you should quit. You know, the interest is is not really there. And yet, okay, so, you know, we try to do what you always say. Well, what did God say? Did he call the Bible study in the first place? He'll tell you if you're supposed to 
quit it. Pretty much, I don't think he's going to say that, though. And so, um, you know, you pray, and the Lord says, I want you to remain steadfast. And see, those are tests. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, if I would preach like crazy to a thousand people, but a crowd of ten is too small, then it demonstrates where my heart is. Yeah. And God is always testing our heart and or revealing our hearts to us. Mm-hmm. And we've all had those times when, when we thought, well, nobody's here. What's the point? And, and the point is Jesus. The point is just serving Jesus. So uh, those are the kinds of things that small churches need to remember. The other thing, Paul, that I think is really important is that, that we can be examples to them, pointing them to um, the, the need to enjoy Every day, the little things that are happening, the, the little moves of God's hand that you see, the way God is moving in and through people's lives. Um, again, in our culture, we have a tendency to think only big things really matter. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, those little tiny daily blessings are what kept us here. Mm-hmm. Just, just that little picture of God. And uh, that that enables you to enjoy yourself while you're doing it instead of, oh, woe is me, nobody's coming, church is hard. <laughs> I'm suffering for yeah. Jesus. Um, you know, the, the, the thing is, <laughs> yeah. what we do is an honor and a privilege. And um, sometimes small churches, they're so focused on why they're still small and why they're not growing um, that they miss out on the, the, the day-to-day blessings that are always there. And we get to remind them. We can tell some stories about when we started and all the things that were were difficult for us. But God did this on this day or he did that on Mm -hmm. that day. Mm -hmm. And I think those are really, really important things to say. You know, I also want to say that that, um, I like it not only because I don't want you traveling alone, but when when, um, the girls go with you. um, I I like it because uh, these girls are really crazy. They take after you. They're their spiritual mom, but they're really crazy. And remember my prayer before before you guys left was that Lachelle would splash all over them. Mm-hmm. You're you're teaching and Jocelyn is doing music, and Lachelle's job was just to splash her craziness and her mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. all over them. She is the nuttiest girl I've ever known. I love her with every ounce of my being. And deep in the Lord. Oh, and deep in the Lord. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's really important for people to be able to see. Yeah, that, that ministered to one of the other pastor's wives. Because, you know, uh, they were, aren't used to being that close, that connected, you know. Um, and she was like, oh, you guys. I go, yeah, we sleep in the same bed, you know. We're so close. We, we can drink out of each other's cups, you know, like a real family. It's so... And she was just like kind of dumbfounded. Like, I want this, and yet. But you got to give yourself. But you got to you got to open yourself up. You got to you got to yeah. expose yourself. Yeah. You can't you can't pretend that you're the special one. Yeah. And uh, or that you have it all together. Yeah. Or that you should up, have it all they together. They end up thinking they have to serve you mm-hmm. instead of you remembering that your service. One of the things we talked about today was was the thing that people don't know in our church culture. Uh, and I want everybody in this radio audience to listen closely to this because it's something that is lost. It's been lost. We've lost the ability. We've lost even the willingness to lose ourselves. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, if you find yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you lose yourself for him, yeah. you're going to find you. 
And we, we, we think church is about us. We think church is about um, um, what people are going to do for us or how the church is going to meet our needs or our perspective is the only one that matters. And Jesus said, when you walk into his family, um, you take the low seat. And, and when you do that and your heart is open, God will take your hand and he'll take you to the seat that he's been prepared for you. But, but too often, we who are in ministry focus as though we're to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The question is, how much do you charge? How much is your honorarium to come and speak at my church? Like, that's a real question. <laughs> Freely we've been given. If you just want me to come over there, I don't, I don't demand, you know, we don't, we shouldn't be demanding payment of, we're just going to be regurgitating what God's word says. It's not, it's not mine. I'm just, and that's what I tell the ladies there too. Um, some will come up, you know, they, you know how this is. They'll come up and say, wow, you know, I've never heard that before. I said, you know what? I'm just a different face and a different voice. But you, I know for a fact, I am not telling you anything that you haven't already heard. Maybe you listened today, but I know Pastor Kim. I know Marilyn. They know the Bible. And I, haven't, I didn't tell you one thing that they haven't already said. Just a different face, different voice. You just heard something today. Maybe I said it in a different way, but it's, it's supposed to be the same as what has already been spoken. And you know what, Pastor Ron, is so funny because when you're not here and I'm here and I can hear the other, your other pastors teaching, they sound a lot like you. Different face, different voice. After all these years, uh-huh. they should. Um, and what an awesome thing. And then, uh, you know, when we're out of town and we get to listen to them together, it's like, those are kids. And like father, like son. And what a blessing that is. And so even in the teaching, it shouldn't be anything different other than different faith, different voice. That's, it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm telling you. You know, Paul called Timothy his son in faith, and no mm-hmm. doubt Timothy called Paul his father in the faith. And there was a connection that went beyond just, oh, I know you or I, I can count on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do this for me. Uh, there was a, what, what Paul wanted to do was demonstrate a model of ministry to Timothy that he could follow. And that necessarily requires people to be really, really close. And uh, the most important thing that we've done here in our 24 years, almost 25 now, is is um, is the people. And uh, we look back on the people and see the the way they've grown and and see the the wonderful men and women of God they've become. Um, you know that kind of, and I, I mean this in the in the most humble of ways. But it kind of makes you stick your chest out and say, you know, Lord, we did pretty good. Now he did all the work. He, he lets us yeah. partner with him. Mm-hmm. You know, we did pretty good. Look, look at look at what's what's happened. You know, Lachelle, what you talked about. You know, she's dealt with lots of health issues. It would be understandable. She was one of those that stayed in home and stayed in the bed, and and you know, it's hard. And I just don't understand why God's doing this to me. And and she is just the opposite. She's just one of these ladies that understands, well, okay, this is my burden to bear, but I still got to tell people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and she's an absolute nut mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. So great, great thing. Hey, Paula, we're inside three minutes. We'll, okay. we'll go over. Uh, I've got a question that's been called into the studio from Grace. And uh, Grace from San Antonio says, how old were 
uh, were they when Cain murdered Abel? Grace, there's no way of knowing. Now, I'm personally convinced, and, and there's no biblical foundation I can, I can give you for this, but, but I'm convinced that this was a time when there were all kinds of other people on, on the earth. So I'm, I'm personally convinced they were well over 100 years old and maybe over 200 years old. But we don't know. What we know is they weren't petulant teenagers. Mm-hmm. They were old enough to know yeah. better. Yeah, they were. They were out of the garden, and 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 in again, I said this in a, a different question yesterday. But in a near perfect world, um, uh, people would have multiplied so quickly, and that's why when Cain was cast out of the garden, um, he had no problem finding a wife and having children, and that's just what happened uh, in in that uh, um, post curse world. But when people were still living to be nine hundred plus years of age. Wow. So uh, it would have been a very fruitful world and people popping up everywhere. And so uh, Cain would have married his cousin or his sisters or aunts or second cousins, who knows. Mm-hmm. But um, um, when he murdered his brother Abel, uh, it would have happened sometime when, from our perspective, they were they were quite old and, and well-established. The thing for me, Grace, is that God warned him, you don't have to do this. If, if you do what is right, will it not go well with you? And then, yeah, God just looked at him and said, so Cain, why are you upset? Why are you so downcast your, your, your soul, Cain? If you do what is right, will it not go well with you? But it didn't stop him from doing it. Whoa, there's okay. the music. We have 30 minutes left in the Date Day Edition program. We'd love your live calls. Ladies, anything at all you want to ask Paula or me. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand up for life, and we'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Date Day edition of the program, 340-9585. Oh, Lucy just hung up. Lucy from Bernie, I was going to just take you first. Please call back. Um, okay, Paula, since Lucy had to hang up, mm-hmm. that's what happens in talk radio. Yep, that's happened. What's next? Okay, because I was just thinking about something, you know, because we had like a little mini church split long ago, and because uh, I'm getting ready to go to another Calvary Chapel and do a conference uh, for another small church, I asked a couple of... Let's stop. Lucy's okay. back. Okay. Sweetie. Lucy, thanks for calling back. You're on the air. Yes, Certainly. This is a carryover from yesterday, and you were addressing lying, and my understanding is that there is just no excuse, uh, there's no reason, uh, there's no there's no justifiable reason to ever lie. And so what came to mind was really something like the Holocaust, and it was against the law, the law of the land was saying that no, you had to reveal if you were hiding Jewish people. And um, people were definitely lying and covering up. And so, what is your take on that? Because that really was lying. 
Well, Corinne Boom is a good example. If you've read her book, Lucy. Um, oh yes, um, definitely. Yeah, she 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 talked about uh, the, all the things that were going on. Uh, I you know I, I think it's the same thing as, as sort of the the Egyptian handmaidens who who were were ministering to the Jewish women who were carrying babies. I think there's a a, a greater good theory now. Lying is always wrong. The devil is the father of lies. So what we have to do in situations like that is we have to, Peter said, should we obey men or should we obey God? And uh, I I think sometimes we lie because we're afraid and we lie because our faith is weak. Uh, Rahab is an example of that. She lied, but she didn't really know God. She was just a brand new, what we would say, a brand new believer. Um, So I think in in a situation like that, if, if I was asked to tell a lie... Uh, to serve God, to save people uh, from destruction, I probably would tell the lie. Uh, but what we wouldn't do is justify the lie. Because once we start down that slippery slope of justifying our lying, then, then, then with our fallen nature, we can justify almost anything and call it for the greater good. So I, I just think it's one of those things where um, if we're going to save lives, and if, if that's the heart of God to save lives, and if the only way to do that is to lie to Nazis, uh, that's the case. The problem, Lucy, when we, when we do things like that, is we're setting ourselves up to make excuses to lie whenever we deem it necessary. And the truth is, there aren't Nazis killing Jews anymore. We yeah. don't even have to think about what Cory ten Boom or those others had to do. Um, um, we, don't, we certainly don't need to judge them, but we also don't need to say, well, there are some cases where we might lie. So... I think personally for you and for me, Lucy, I think the thing that we need to understand is that we have not encountered a situation where telling the truth in love wouldn't be the right thing to do. And when we fail to do that, it's because our faith has failed, not because we were convinced it was the right thing to do. And I think going back into history, uh, into into World War II, uh, as an example to justifying lying, is just one of those hypothetical situations that we're never going to have to deal with. Um, um, you know, I think about the, the Coptic Christians who were uh, beheaded on the beach by ISIS uh, some years ago, and all they had to do was was denounce their faith. If they would renounce their faith and, and, and say, okay, I believe in, in Allah and Muhammad as his prophet, uh, then they would have been spared. Uh, but they would not tell that lie. And I, I think the grace that we would need uh, in a situation like that would be there to meet us. We just can't justify lying. So, Lucy, I don't know if that is uh, a satisfying answer to you, but um, I, I just don't find any value dealing with hypothetical situations that we're not going to be in. Well, okay? I, I don't know. I, I don't have a crystal ball, but it just seems like... In, in times, I mean, we, we really don't know how serious things are going to get. And we do know that there's global persecution of Christians as it is. Yeah, and, and Lucy, I know. think yeah, I think we do know how bad things are going to get. Yeah. And I think the whole well, of the Bible true. is preparing us for that. And, and here's the thing. I think we all need to decide right now that we're not going to deny our faith. We're not going to tell lies when these tests come. Uh, I always think of one of my favorite examples is a disciple of the Apostle John's, uh, a man named Polycarp. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was put to death at the age of 84, and he was a, a weak old man, but such a godly man, and everybody loved him, even the ones who were putting him to death. They, they just loved him, and they begged him 
to renounce his faith. And, and they said things like, no one will, will, will expect you to, that nobody will believe it, but, but if you just say it, we want an excuse to save you. And he said in, in his imitable way, he said, um, not once has my Lord denied me in 80 and four years, and thus I will not deny him now. And, you know, God's grace was there, and he died as a result. Um, but his faith stood firm to the end. We know that's also true with the apostles who were martyred for their faith. Uh, and, and you and I, Lucy, in this day and age that we live in, we've just got to understand and accept that when uh, we stand with Jesus Christ, the world is going to resent us and make it difficult for us, even in this country where we have been the most free in the history of the world to proclaim Jesus Christ. That time is coming to an end, and we've got to decide, are we going to be men and women? And I would also add this to churches in general. Are we going to be people that compromise because it's hard, or are we going to be people that stand, take the truth, and then deal with the consequences? Um, I think it'll show us where our faith really is. So it's going to get hard, and uh, we see it all the time. Go ahead. Is that the unpardonable sin that you're referring to, as in if we deny Jesus, if we no, are not? Yeah. It, Boy, but a, would you address that as, again, I'm just saying that I would like to hear, uh, is that your belief yeah. in that uh, denying Christ is referred to in Scripture as the unpardonable sin? Yeah, I, I can I can do that, and that's an interesting question, Lucy. In, in this context, you know, uh, Jesus said, "If you deny before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven." And Peter, of course, denied Jesus before men, and and Jesus restored him. So, no, it's not the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is the rejection of the work of the Holy Spirit unto death. Uh, the Spirit of God, who is sent by Jesus to convict the world of sin and of righteousness in judgment. Uh, if we reject his work and we die in that condition then there's no remedy for sin and that's what the unpardonable sin is it doesn't have anything to do with denying jesus or compromise uh or or taking the easy way out and and even as i say that i want to encourage everybody we need to prepare ourselves for the hard things that lie ahead in this country because um we live in a time where christians are going to be surrounded by people who are shouting things and making examples of us. We're going to be shamed and, and lambasted on social media. Uh, we're going to lose jobs. Um, and you know what? We've got to say, okay, Lord, you've, you've taken care of me every day. Uh, I'm going to trust you to take care of me today. And so it's not the unpardonable sin, but we also need to prepare ourselves for these difficult times that are coming ahead. Lucy, God bless you for calling back, and thank you for your heart. I can hear it through the phone lines. Yeah, yeah. in fact, uh, Lucy, we had a pastor's, Ron had a, a pastor's discipleship class here where, um, you know, the pastors and their wives and, and those in our body um, who want to be a little more involved in the church and to know, you know, how to be ready for these end times. Um, one of the questions was, what worry tends to... Um, really bother you and and one of the guys and and i agreed is um i want to remain faithful but i am so fearful um 
that, you know, if, if something happens and they say, you have to take the mark of the beast, you know, that kind of a scenario, that we won't be here for that. Um, uh, or, you know, you won't be able to have food and provide for your family, you know? It's like, man, I don't know if I could handle those kind of things because I know myself in my flesh is no good thing and, and I'm a, a scaredy cat. And so what would I say forgetting the whole time that the Holy Spirit will be with me and his grace will be sufficient and he will help me to say and to do the right thing at the right time, even though it's going to be difficult. But I'll have a choice to make. But as Pastor Ron is saying, we need to prepare ourselves. And, you know, Jesus says, keep yourself in the love of Christ. I've got to make sure that I stand in the love of Christ, knowing that, yeah, even in this world, we were going to have persecutions, tests, and trials, and that I'm not alone. But I have to keep myself in the love of Christ. And it sounds like your fear is kind of, already preparing you for but what if i don't stand <laughs> we we was we can't stand he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it yeah. and and as long as we're standing with jesus he will stand for us mm-hmm. lucy thanks very much i yeah, appreciate thank it you, very lucy. very much let's go to san antonio now and talk with richard on line one richard thanks for holding and being so patient you're on the air Yes, Pastor Ron, God bless you and you beautiful First Lady. I think you're all a beautiful couple who have become one for Jesus, and I just commend both of you all. Thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing for the Lord. My, my statement and question is, in reference to um, the Holocaust, I was wondering if, if we Christians, I wasn't born then, I wish I was so I can pray for the Jewish community, if, if more Christians knew that all of this was happening over there, where millions of people, millions of Jewish people were killed, and we, we prayed about it, I don't think all of those people would have been executed like that, you think? Well, I, I certainly think that, that um, the, the church is at a place now uh, all over the world, the, the true church I'm talking about, Richard. I think the church is at a place now where... Uh, we speak out against human rights violations um, and the like. But here's the thing that we, we have to factor in. When we're dealing with Israel, when we're dealing with Jews, we have to factor this in. Um, all attacks against Jews or against the nation of Israel are satanic in origin. Uh, it is his intent, his willful intent to destroy Israel, to make sure that there's no place for Jesus to come back to. The uh, devil knows the scriptures. Uh, and so we, there, there would be such an, um, um, a satanic delusion sent that a lot of people, a lot of people uh, would, would somehow blame Israel for the trouble that comes upon them. You know, Richard, one of the things that we can see now is uh, even Christian, professing Christian churches have taken a position of replacement theology that says, well, because they rejected Jesus, God's done with them, and all the promises to Israel come to uh, come to the church now, and that is such a satanic uh, doctrinal stand that that um, uh, I think we underestimate the power of the devil. I think we see now Christians and churches, mainline denominations, who are anti-Israel, um, um, and and it's shocking to me. So I'm not so confident that we would. Um, the true church, of course, would take a stand, but I'm not so sure that the professing church out there would take a stand. Um, 
I, I know the Roman Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, um, some of the Methodist denominations, the Anglican Church, the Episcopal Churches. Uh, they are anti-Israel to the core. And um, um, I, I don't see any reason to believe that that would change uh, down the road. Again, the true church... So back in the, 19, the 1940s, 1940s, if if Christians had prayed for the Jewish community, if we had just found out that they were being gassed, I think the Lord would have stepped in and saved millions. Well, uh, you know, it, that's, that's always a hard thing to say, Richard. Now, there were. Uh, let me give you something to, to, to read if you're interested in this. Uh, read sure. some of the books of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was a giant. Um, uh, had some weird doctrines, but he was a giant of our faith, and he was a guy who was working behind the scenes with, with groups that were plotting to assassinate Hitler. Um, and, mm-hmm. and he was sort of uh, the church that was going against the grain of the churches that just kind of accepted the fact that this is God's will, Hitler is the one in charge, and he's going to lead us to the promised land kind of thing. And, and uh, Bonhoeffer stood his ground, and it cost him everything. He was actually uh, executed the day before um, the, the end of the war, the day before oh, uh, Hitler himself oh. was assassinated. But uh, Dietrich oh. Bonhoeffer is great, great stuff that he's written on it. Um, and, and we have to, we can't take a simplistic approach either. And well, if we just pray, then God would answer. You know, God used the Holocaust. This is a, a perfect example of Romans eight twenty eight. God mm. works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. God mm-hmm. used the Holocaust to, to, to soften the hearts of the world, to allow Israel to come back into their homeland as mm. a nation after nearly 2,000 years um, mm. in 1948. So God was behind the scenes using evil and turning it for good. Mm. Interesting. That's a new so I, 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 yeah, well, great, I just don't think I just don't think the thing. Okay, prayer. Uh, if if God the Father didn't answer His own Son's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. things going on that we can't understand, and it means there are times when God's not going to answer our prayers. Again, we live in a completely different time, and mm-hmm. uh, our our issues are going to be different issues. But at the same time, we can see even now how people have turned against Israel mm-hmm. for no reason at all, other than the hatred toward Israel is so satanic, so demonic. That's just the way mm-hmm. it's going to be. Well, I guess we just continue on praying. And praying it just shows me also that prayer is very, very, very important. And the Lord loves for us to communicate with him on all aspects of life and the lives of others. Well, thank you, Pastor and First Lady. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it. Appreciate and remember it. always that God says, I will bless those who bless you. He was speaking to Abraham and curse those who curse you. Uh, so uh, all you got to do is read the prophets. And uh, in, the, in the last days, we're, we're in the book of Isaiah on our Wednesday night Bible studies even now. And um, it doesn't go well for those nations and peoples who persecute the people of God. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. I love that conversation. I probably talked too much. Oh no, that was great. I loved it. I was trying to look up, you know, uh, my notes from last night because um, you're talking about. Uh, let me see. That the the nations who, you know, oppress us and stuff, they will get theirs. They will get theirs. But you know, talking about this, Jesus told his disciples, "You will be persecuted." They will take you before, you know, uh, 
councils and and they yeah. they yeah and that's a great comment for Richard because uh, we know that the church was praying mm-hmm. and it didn't stop James from being killed mm-hmm. uh, it did stop Peter from being killed so you know it's just funny because God answers prayers um, sometimes and sometimes he doesn't yeah because he is working behind the scenes yeah. to accomplish yeah and had Jesus not died we'd have been lost yeah if you think about that his, his very own son Think about James and John. Um, brothers, sons of thunder. I love them. In it through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. And yet, James was the first of the, the apostles to be martyred for his faith. And John is the only one who lived to a ripe old age and wasn't martyred for his faith. Now, he had a tough life, but uh, John died of, uh, at an old age, probably 95-ish. And um, wh- why would... Why would God save John and not James? Why would God not rescue James from prison? And then when it, Herod saw that it pleased the Jews to 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 kill James, he says, I'm going to kill Peter too, put him in jail. Why would God send an angel to, to release uh, Peter from jail? Um, I, I just think there's times when we get into the, well, why would God do this and why didn't he do this? Uh, I, I think there are those are questions that we have no answers for. What we do know for sure, and I talked about this last night, uh, sometimes it's hard to live in this world with only a hope for heaven. Mm-hmm. And yet when we get there and when we're with Jesus, mm-hmm. we'll have all of the answers and we will see the the brilliance, the genius behind the whole plan. Yeah. And we will fall down and we will worship. Whether we are those among those that were martyred for our faith or whether we were among those that really suffered very little at all. We will know exactly why. There's one other comment, and this is for both Lucy and Richard um, Paula. Um, you know, Acts chapter 17. Oh, yeah. Paul says that we were born when we needed to be born. Mm-hmm. We're in the right place, in the right time. God chose the right families for us uh, in, in order to make us able to find God. So... Uh, you know, we've always said, well, maybe we Americans are a bunch of wimpy Christians because it's easier for us than it's been for anybody else. But I think now we're looking at a time very, very, very near in the future. We're looking at a time where we're going to have to toughen up. And Jesus says, I got you right where I want you, right where I need you. You will stand. And Paul says all these things so that we can stand. Stand, as in victory, and those are really, really good things. Yeah, you mentioned Corey Ten Boom. You know, isn't isn't that the one? She and her sister in the camp, and there was lice and all that, and the, and and they were able to study the Bible and have fellowship and stuff in horrible conditions, and yet they they were with the presence of the Lord because the guards wouldn't come in there and bother them, and and wouldn't come in and rape them. Yeah. You know, the other Jewish. Women were were being raped and abused, yeah. and and um, um, they were left in relative peace because the guards wanted nothing to do with the lice and the mm-hmm. rodents and everything else that they had to live with. So we think, well, you know, that's a horrible way to have to live. Mm-hmm. But um, Corey Tim Boone was was able to look at the at the good side of it. You know, um, Corey Tim Boone used to go to Charles Swindoll's church in Fullerton, California. Okay. And uh, he tells some of the great Corey Ten Boom stories in all the world. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful giant of a woman she was. Mm-hmm. She spoke at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa mm-hmm. one time. and uh, That was before I was saved. Yeah. 
Um, but, but you know, God always has his heroes, male and female, uh, and she certainly was one of them. Mm-hmm. Paula, we're already inside four minutes. I know. So I'm just so I'll excited. Shut up you got. Because even I met Elizabeth Elliot, and she talked about, you know, like with Corey Tim Boom going back to the guard who did kill her sister and, and offering him forgiveness. And he gets saved, and, you know, the domino effect that all of that could happen. Um, but like with Elizabeth Elliot, her husband's killed by the, the natives where they were loving on these people and you know i'm like lucy in this regard i don't know if i would have gone back you know (laughs) um and yet she did and and just all those we're all giants in the faith if we will step back and see what god has done in each one of us you know we've all taken stands maybe not as dramatic or drastic yet um but we've all taken stands in our families to say, you know what, I used to be a drunk or I used to be, you know, one who cursed like a sailor. I used to be an angry black woman or I used to be, but now I'm in love with Jesus. And he has come in and, and taken over my life. I've, I've surrendered it to him and I continue to surrender it to him. Um, and now I'm a different person. So when people come, and they say, oh, I remember you went. I say, ooh, me too, girl. But you know what? I'm not that same person anymore. And so what about you? You know, Paul, I think as we look down the road and, and see persecution uh, in our futures here in America, uh, we have to remember we don't have to be brave. We just have to be scared enough to jump in right behind Jesus. To just be with Jesus. And let him do the fighting. <laughs> you know, uh, Jesus is the one who stands for us. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, we're not promised the, the outcome that we want. And we who are Americans and have been so coddled as Christians our entire lives, we, we kind of think, well, you know, it just shouldn't be. We have rights. And, and uh, you know, the church has always flourished under persecution. And I, I, I say this not out of bravery and certainly not out of trying to sound uber spiritual or anything. Yeah, I know you, Pastor Ron. Who are you but, talking to? Yeah, but, but, the, but the truth is, um, a, a, a good bit of persecution might very well be the very best thing that could happen to the church in the United States of America. We might get serious about our faith. We might sort of filter out those who are pretenders. And Jesus is always, when he goes to war, it's like Gideon's uh, troops being whittled down. Mm -hmm. Uh, When when the time comes for um, the the battle to begin, I think Jesus is going to whittle down the professing church and he's going to be left with those of us who will lap the water like a dog with our eyes, with, with our a scared look on our face, mm-hmm. but saying, okay, Jesus, I'm yours. Yeah. Don't worry, Lucy, you're one of those lappers. <laughs> you're concerned about it. You want to hear, well done, that good and faithful servant. And I'm assured you will be. So no fear. No fear. And pray for me because I'm, I'm with you, Lucy. <laughs> what a fun show, Pastor Ron. It started out, you try to bum us out, but it's all right. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4 And Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.